In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a Wishmaster scenario, fairy sleepovers, a dinosaur cannon, potatoes, and saving our lives from death in our discussion of Deadlocked by Charlene Harris. It's going to be one of the weirdest episodes. <laughs> what the hell is a dinosaur Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Deadlocked by Charlene Harris. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. You haven't read this book. Well, we're going to spoil 12 books for you. Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> go back and listen to all the episodes. It's fine. Yeah, why doesn't everybody just go back and listen to them all again yeah. anyway? So with yeah. the release of a new episode, go back, listen to the other ones so you're yeah. appraised of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've only got to do this one, penultimate book, and the finale in Ooh. two weeks' time. Ooh. Ooh. Can I just... Can I just say finally? <laughs> Almost finally. finally. Almost finally. Almost. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to get into the finally. Yeah. 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 Um, so that... that Let's not spoil it then. <laughs> yeah, so that, like, deep soul-crushing sigh and the pauses leads me to this background info that I found. It's a pretty good segue. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's from kingsriverlife.com. There was an interview. They did an interview with Charline. How does it feel to be getting close to the end of this series? See, it's a perfect segue. And her answer is Wonderful. End of sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that I've told Sookie's story and done her justice. And though I'll miss the characters and the familiarity of writing about her, I'm ready to do something new. Like a video game about vampires. <laughs> Please see last time. That was last time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think listeners will know, Claire, that we are. Our interest in Sookie Stackhouse is waning. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we say that and we grumble and we talk about it and, like, oh my god, it's never going to end. Um,. I still, like, enjoy the books, but I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to do another, another Vampire Book Club series. Yes, I agree. I completely agree. I think, if we compare, we we, we can't compare it to to doing Vampire Academy last year. Because Vampire Academy itself was only six books right. and Bloodlines was six yeah, books. Yeah, it was really... And yes, two, it did... F- it was two different series, so it was completely exactly. different. 
Exactly, because the central characters were different. Yes, we had, you know, the characters coming and intermingling and, you know, Rose and Dimitri were visiting in Bloodlines and we had Adrian start off in Vampire Academy, which is fine. Mm -hmm. It was great. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have the same voice for 12 books. And this is the same voice for 13 books. Plus Dracula and I, but we don't really count. We can't really count that too much. No, that cause... that one was really fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm just getting a little tired now. Yeah, I'm getting sookied out, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm very glad we're doing these once a month. Obviously, not this month. We're doing two right. because there's only 13. There's 13 right, books. Right. Um, because I think if we did the one after the other, which we have done in the past for series, we we've yeah. covered them sequentially very quickly. Um, I think I would have been like begging for a break. Yeah, we've been like, okay, so this is the end of fictional hangover. <laughs> we hate it now, <laughs> and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! I just I, I keep thinking back to when we did House of uh, House of Night. Now look, which with those... realistically should have been our first vampire book club <sighs> it series. Should, it really should. It should have, have been. It really should. Have. But. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We didn't have a book club back when we started, right. it, so it's fine. And it it's inspired fine. I'm, I'm us. Happy. It did. It did. It inspired us, and it inspired the book club members. Right. So I'm perfectly fine with yes. this. But what the things that we said was we needed to move away from the same characters being the narrator. The narrator. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, it really refreshed the series. Yeah. And I think the sucky books. Because they were only, oh, they've only been sold as sucky books mm-hmm. since True Blood came out. There were always the Southern Vampire mysteries mm-hmm. or the Southern Vampire stories, so we could have actually had other voices, and I think that would have kept the series a little bit more, quote unquote, alive. Yes, but that reminds me of something, but I don't want to say it right now. I need to save it for for the next for the last sucky book. So don't let me forget. Okay. 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 Make a note. Make a note. <laughs> Don't let Amanda forget what she was going to say, and then we're going to look at that note and go, what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what were you going to say again? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Should we get started? Was that enough initial thought? Or do you have anything else yeah, to add? Yeah, I think, I think we've probably got other thoughts, but they'll be covered in the discussion. Yeah. And not all of them, I would like to say or negative. Right, no, and like I said a little bit ago, yes, we're getting tired of doing these because there's so many of them, but I still enjoy the books. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the ride. But as Charlene Harris has said, this Suki story is coming to an end, if not already done. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. let's get through book 12. Ready? Go! Ooh, okay. Suki and her friends, the very pregnant Tara, Holly, who's engaged to Hoyt, former beauty queen slash ex-con Kennedy, and Michelle, Jason's girlfriend, are at hooligans for ladies' night. (laughs) Okay, look, it might be a little weird for Suki because she's essentially come to see her cousin, Claude, strip. But for the most part, everyone has a good time, and it's fine. (laughs) 
Several of the Fae in the club come to greet Suki as she is part Fae herself, and they all know her and she can see them for what they truly are, unlike her friends who just think that everyone in the club is gorgeous. The night takes a slight turn when JB, Tara's husband, comes waltzing out onto the stage. Well, waltzing isn't uh, exactly the right word. Uh, thrusting. He comes thrusting out onto the stage. <laughs> oh. After the weirdness goes away and all the friends comment on how worried JB's been about having enough money for the twins and how good he was at stripping, the ladies watch Claude dance and then they go home for the evening. On the way to drop Suki off, Kennedy complains that her boyfriend Danny might be stepping out on her because he's got to be gone three days a week, but everyone shrugs it off. When Suki gets home, she checks her email and sees Amelia and Bob are in Paris. Ooh. Ooh. Suki's still a little miffed at Amelia for trying to get her to hook up with Alcide <laughs> after they broke the blood bond she shared with Eric. But Suki's trying hard to forgive her witch friend. Suki hasn't been home long before her fairy great-grandfather Niall comes to the door. This is a surprise! <laughs> Niall kindly asks Suki to not put bodies through the gap into the fairy that's in the woods behind her house, which she apologises for and asks about the fairies he can smell in her house. When she explains that Claude and Dermot kind of live there, he seems to get worried about that. Especially about Claude. But then Claude and Dermot get home. Awkward! Awkward! Were you just talking about me? Were you just talking about me? No, of course not. No, no, no. you're no longer pointy ears and not burning at all. Niall is still angry with Dermot for switching sides, but then they talk about the reason for it happening, because Niall put a brain adlin curse on him. Niall says that he did not and would not curse his own son and demands to know who told him that. Well, Claude did, and he said he learned it from Murray, that fairy that Sookie troweled to death a few books ago. Does everyone remember that? Um. This is interesting. Niall takes Claude with him back to Fairy to discover the truth, but leaves Dermot because it's not safe for him and Fairy if someone there cursed him. The next day, Eric's dear man, Mustafa, comes to warn Sookie that King Felipe is coming to town to investigate Victor's death and that Pam said this is the time to prove herself. That's not ominous at all. No. Mm. He also tells her to stay away from Janelin, who, in land, thinks that Sookie's after Sam. When Suki goes to Malotte's later, she sees Jason, who tells her he's going to propose to Michelle, and then she gets to work. After helping Sam with some money to pay the bills, he gave her a promotion, and now she gets to do more important stuff at the bar, like paperwork. Yay, paperwork! Taxes! Woo! <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> in Sam's office, Janelin comes in, thinking they're doing something untoward. But seriously, it's paperwork, it's taxes. Taxes! Woohoo! Yes, in triplicate. They're so... All handwritten. They're so sexy. Oh, oh. That's... V-A-T. Oh. It's oh. <laughs> cool. Oh. 
the rest of the day at Marlott's and the next day are pretty normal. Same old, same old. Jason and Michelle get engaged. JB talks to Suki about being a stripper. She talks to him about Tara being pregnant. She pities herself for not being pregnant or being with a man that can make her pregnant. Same old Suki. (laughs) She wonders a little about what's going on at Hooligans and when Claude and Niall are coming back. But then it's time to get ready to go see the king. And not the king that we want to see. Not Elvis this time. Bubba. Bubba. Pam calls Suki and tells her to be at Eric's at nine, but then Mustafa calls and says ten. When she arrives at nearly ten, she sees a new person at the gate who waves her in with normal caution, and then she sees Bill who tells her she needs to go home. Nah. Nah. Hmm. Suki goes into Eric's house and, frankly, it's not good. She's greeted by Mustafa and then sees that King Felipe is having a party and pretty much trashing Eric's elegant house. And Eric is nowhere to be seen. Suki greets the king and learns that Eric is in the bedroom. So she and Pam, who had been out buying the liquor, go find Eric. He's drinking from a werewolf, who Suki realises has a death wish and has spiked herself with fairy blood. The girl is quickly dismissed. After a fight, and Suki thinking that Eric must not like her very much if he's willing to drink from someone else, they go out to talk to Felipe. Felipe questions them about Victor and all the people that Suki has killed. But he's a long list. It's a long <laughs> list. You know, he doesn't seem to be too upset about any of the deaths, or really that Victor is gone, so I don't know. So he rationalizes with him about Victor being a money pit and his business is doing poorly, which makes Felipe look bad. But then Bill alerts them to a body in the yard and that the police are there. (laughs) The body in the yard is the girl Eric was drinking from. Uh oh. The police interview everyone who was there, which includes Eric, Pam, Suki, Felipe, his second, Horst, another vampire from his entourage, and three humans he invited along with us without asking Eric, one of whom happens to be a professional wrestler called T-Rex. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. <laughs> the girls with T-Rex recall seeing the girl and learning her name, Kim with a Y, but she didn't come with them. They want to talk to Mustafa, but he's nowhere to be found. That's that's not guilty looking at all. The detective in charge, Detective Ambrosali, takes everyone to the station for further questioning, but doesn't really get anywhere, so everyone gets to go back to Eric's. Suki telepathically overheard the police talking about a small vial they found that had blood in it, which, when she tells Eric, Pam and Bill about it, they realise it was full of fairy blood that Kim, with a Y, used to entice Eric. Hmm, interesting. The next day, Suki has several missed calls from Dermot, Mustafa, Tara and Alcide. Dermot's worried, Mustafa doesn't answer, and Alcide wants Suki's help with something, and Tara's probably going to have her baby soon. Suki only really gets to speak with Alcide, who is passing along a message from Janelin, 
She wants Sookie to help her propose to Sam by taking him to a cabin in the middle of the woods. Uh, no? She refuses to do that and tells Alcide that Janeline would probably rather lure her out there to kill her because she thinks she and Sam have something going on. Hard pass. <laughs> oh. When Suki gets home, she's pleased to see Dermot and surprised to see Mustafa. He's really cagey about where he disappeared to and why he told Suki the wrong time to go to Eric's. So clearly he's hiding something. <laughs> Suki reads his mind a little and picks up that his friend Warren might be in trouble. Suki suggests Mustafa talk to Alcide for help, even though he's not part of the pack. But he seems to be afraid of Janelin. He asks Suki to get Alcide to call him when he's alone. Why are people getting news in Suki as some kind of operating service? I don't know. I I am unclear. Unclear about this. <laughs> Later, Suki goes by to see Tara at her shop, and then Tara goes into labor. Suki's really excited, but can't go with her friend to the hospital because she has to go to work. At Merlant's, she tells everyone about Tara's labor, and everyone is pretty happy for the rest of the day. Alcide and a friend come in for lunch, and Suki tells Alcide to call Mustafa, so hopefully he will. They talk kind of, like, open secrety about Eric and what's been going on lately and about Victor disappearing, and then Alcide and his buddy leave. Suki gets a call from JB about the babies being born, and Suki is very excited. She plans to go to see them later on and bring them dinner when they get out of the hospital. That's a good friend. A good friend does that. Very good. Very kind. Yeah. She also talks to Sam a little about a break-in at the antique shop where she sold her family furniture and how most of it was destroyed and about her relationship with Eric and his with Janeline. And they both kind of decide that they're being, you know, pretty stupid and making bad decisions. But they also decide that they're best friends and can tell each other anything. Aww. That is so cute. They're totally going to kiss. Back home later, Belenos comes to visit after hunting in Suki's woods with Dermot's permission. Suki's a little upset about it, but Belenos says the fairies are starting to go bonkers without Claude, and they need to get out some of their energy and feel the relief they all do whenever they come to Suki's. She says she'll think about letting more of the fairies hunt on her land. Then Suki asks about the possibility of one of the other fae providing blood to Kim with a Y to rile up Eric, which he says he'll investigate. Belanos then suggests Suki get in touch with Niall and Claude if she can, because things are about to get bad with the fae. Suki agrees to write a letter and put it through the tiny portal gap. Whether that'll reach Niall or not is uncertain, but it's the best Suki can do. She writes a letter and slips it through the gap to fairy. Does she use correct postage? What is the postage of fairy? I mean, if you... I don't think there is any. I believe, in fact, that she mentions almost putting a stamp on and is like, nah, never mind. I don't gotta do I would that. probably doodle <laughs> a stamp, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or just, like, put a little bit of, like, dab of blood on it so they, like... Yeah. That, but that, that whatever wee beasties behind the portal will, will probably go oh, crazy. Oh, yeah, then they would just eat it. On. They would just eat yeah. the envelope. Yeah. And I don't think Niall's going to want a pooped out letter. No, nobody wants... Unless that's a postal delivery service in Fairy. Mm, that's just how it yeah. is. Sorry. Yeah. Poop letters are all you get. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
As Suki returns home, she sees she's not alone. Kim with her wife's skanky parents are there with an author who wants to write a true crime book about her death. Side note, that's a bit quick. She's literally just she died. She literally just died. And she is not you... anyone special. She's just a regular person. With a Y in her name. With a Y, yes. Yeah. And why do the parents keep going to Sookie? I mean, come on. I don't is there know. no privacy? I, it's just, the same, oh, just it's, handing out her address to everybody? It's the same story over and over and over again. Oh, God. Somebody's going to go through the portal. Meat grinder style. Anywho... Suki answers a few questions, but then threatens to call the sheriff before walking back inside. Not long after, Bubba comes over, and with him is Frida, the queen of Oklahoma. Mm. The queen wants to get Suki's measure and to see why Eric likes her so much. She says she's not really seeing anything that important. Burn! Oh! Burn! oh. <laughs> Even with the fairy blood. Oh! There's been a murder! Mm. Then she asks about Suki killing several vampires and wares and fairies. Then Suki rescinds her invitation and sends her on the way. Get your ass out here, love. Bye bye. We're done. <laughs> she started out nice, but when she couldn't figure her out, things took a turn. So it was probably for the best that Suki rescinded her invitation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, prob- probs, that's a good idea. <sighs> Suki is in a foul mood after that, though Eric does call to check on her and tell her that the queen won't win him away. She doubts that and goes to sleep. The next day, at Merlot's, her foul mood continues, especially because Sam took another day off. He went with Janelin to the antique shop to help sort it out, and when Suki calls him to grumble about him not being there, they talk about the furniture a little bit. It's clear that someone is looking for the Cluviel door, but luckily the antiques dealer found it and gave it to her. The rest of her time at work goes smoothly after Suki forces herself to get out of her funk. Afterwards, Suki cooks a meal for Tara and JB and goes to see the babies. They've named the daughter Sarah Suki, which makes her tear up a little bit. She doesn't stay long and heads home to have dinner. Luckily, Dermot is there, so she feels a little better, and then Bill drops by. Sucky and Bill talk about Bill's progress with figuring out who let Kim with a Y in Eric's house, and they decide it must have been Mustafa. But they don't really know why. Maybe another wear put him up to it. They don't think he, or Eric, or Pam killed Kim with a Y, but they still don't know who he did, who did do it. They decide to research Bill's vampire database because oh, they God. think, for a very annoying no. reason... no. That I makes us it. cringe. I and hate, we it. hate it. I hate it so much. That Mustafa might no. be related to a now dead vampire called Rashawn because Mustafa's birth name was Keyshawn. No. Nope. And all black people, apparently, are related if they have similar names. No, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's. Mm, I hate it. I. Yeah. J- there is no excuse for it. No. When considering the time frame it was published. Mm-mm. This has not been published in the 1950s. No. Hate it. I hate it. <clears throat> anyway. Rage moment aside. 
Eric interrupts their research. Thank fuck. Pointless research. Oh, just, just thank fuck it's over with. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of shitty about them working together since they used to be lovers. And Suki is kind of shitty back. And after a little more shittiness, they decide that Mustafa might have been forced to let Kim with a Y into Eric's because of something that maybe Janelin has on him and or something about his pal Warren. They get the idea that they should call Sam and get him to bring Janelin by so they can smell her and see if she was at Eric's house that night. But Suki doesn't want to get Sam involved, which makes Eric mad again. They decide to call Alcide instead to request Janelin's smell. But then Suki decides to go talk to Sam in person instead. Excuse me while I just scrape your smell. <laughs> Hello, I, I would like to collect a little bit of your smell. It's a small amount of smell. And then just ram the nose into the armpit and go (laughs) (laughs) anywho (laughs) Suki drives off toward Merlot's but Belanos and another fairy Gift run across the road chasing a deer and cause Suki to crash they pull the car out of the ditch and rescue her but she's clearly jangled she accidentally reveals that she can see them in their true forms, you know, with creepy sharp teeth and nightmare eyes, and says they shouldn't let people see them like that, but she didn't realise that they were probably concealing themselves and that she could see through it. When Gift talks to her about magic, Suki worries that she's gotten herself into trouble, but then she offers to let the fairies hunt on her land again the next night so it'll be safer. When Suki gets home, she goes to bed, but both Eric and Bill are worried about her. Before she can shoo them away, they tell her about worries they have for Colton, the other still-living human from the Victor murder, who is apparently missing. That's great. Just great. This is exactly what she needs. Fantastic. I love it. Suki goes to work the next day and conveniently finds a jacket of Janelin's in Sam's office, so she burgles it. She sees Jason who wants her to make some sweet potato casserole for Michelle that night, and she tells him to come by later to get it. And then she zones out, thinking about Eric leaving her for Queen Oklahoma and possibly using the Cluville door to stop that from happening. But, like, is that a wise use of this ultra-important gift? It seems like a slight inconvenience that maybe we can just talk about. What? You mean have communication? Nope. Fairy wish. Fairy wish it all away. (laughs) When Suki goes home and starts boiling potatoes, (laughs) she's interrupted by the antiques dealer guy, Mr. Calloway, who she invites inside. (laughs) She's lost it, everyone. Just something about that line of potatoes. (laughs) Anywho... Why on earth will he be coming to her house? Question mark. Ah, Suki finds that out real quick. Yay, telepathy. He's there in search of the cluvial door. He doesn't know what it is exactly, but he regrets giving it to her after he found it. He knows that it's super important and super rare and that he'll get a lot of money for it if he gets it to the right hands. Suki doesn't pick up whose hands those are, but she knows something bad's about to come from this visit. 
as Mr. Calloway is about to attack Sucky with a knife, she douses him with the boiling potato water. Then another guest suddenly arrives and snaps his neck. <laughs> Potatoes. This surprise guest, our favourite demon, lawyer, godfather, telepathy giver, Mr. Catality! Yay! Mr. Catalides tells Suki that he's been wanting to kill that antiques dealer guy for a while after he found out about the Gluvial door. <laughs> he found it in Suki's furniture, read the letter left by Adele, did some googling, and talked to some other fae who he may or may not have known or fae, and realized that he essentially gave away a rare and expensive item. This is especially obvious after his shop was broken into and all of Sookie's furniture was destroyed. So, here he is now, slightly boiled, and neck snapped <laughs> on Sookie's floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be sorry. <laughs> helps dispose of the body by transforming herself into Mr. Calloway and driving his corpse to the airport. Suki asks Mr. Cataliades about the person or persons interested in getting the Cluvial door from Mr. Calloway, but he conveniently doesn't answer that question because it will be hurtful to Suki, and so he leaves. <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes. <clears throat> My side actually nearly pulled. <laughs> oh. Jason comes by to pick up his to pick up his potatoes and then Dermot comes home. Jason Cool Guy comments on how good looking Dermot is, you know, because they look exactly the same. And he takes his potatoes and leaves. Oh, lost the oh it's the end of the potatoes. <laughs> Dermot and Sucky eat dinner. No potatoes. And then Dermot goes on a date. While he's gone, Sucky takes Janelin's burgle jacket to Bill. Bill meets her halfway with some clothing of his own. He's got a plan to rescue Colton, who is discovered to have been kidnapped by some of the goons of Felipe's. He smells Janelin's jacket, but can't really tell if she was involved in Kim with a wise death. Oh, great. Great. Burgled for nothing. Mm. The clothes that Bill has turn out to be a very classy outfit worn by female employees of a nearby casino. Another vampire, Palomino, who looks... Kind of ish, like Sookie has started working there and discovered Colton, so they're going to perform a switcheroo and help him escape. 
The switcheroo works just fine, but <laughs> when they leave the casino, Suki is stopped by some werewolves she recognizes from a pack meeting at Alcides. Bill and Palomino take Colton away while Suki agrees to go with the wolves who say they might have found Warren's body and Alcide wanted her to check to make sure. This is not at all true, though. <laughs> and soon enough, Suki finds out that these wolves are rogues working for someone and are trying to overthrow Alcide, who wouldn't let them join his pack because they're sleazebags. He has standards, you see. <laughs> Suki doesn't find out who they're working for immediately because Mustafa shows up and rescues Suki. Both Bill and Palomino call Alcide to tell him that Suki just left with some wolves on his orders, which again is not at all true. Lies upon lies. lies, lies. Mustafa takes Suki to Alcide's, where we find out who the rogues are working for. Dum dum dum. Janelin. <gasps> no one is surprised. No, not really. Mm, no. Alcide started looking into her after Suki refused to help with the Sam proposal. He found out that Janelin wants to get him out of the way so she can be pack leader and let all the sleazy wolves, who Alcide now has locked up in an old hidden shed, join the pack. They decide that Janelin probably has Warren locked up in an old hidden shed too, and that she used Mustafa to get Kim with a Y into Eric's. So why is this Janelin's plan? What's the point of getting Eric to drink from a skank? <laughs> Mustafa says, it's not Janelin's plan. It's hmm? Claude's. Wait, what? Oh, what? Yeah, it's not so much. What? Okay. Okay. So before we find out, Alcide, Mustafa and Suki go out in hopes of finding Warren. They drive around outside of Shreveport looking for Janelin's old hidden shed. Okay. So it's an old hidden attic, not a shed, but close enough. Whatever. It's fine. They find and rescue Warren, but he's nearly dead. So they call Bill, who was nearby, and get him to meet up with Alcides to help heal Warren. When that's taken care of, they talk about calling the police on Janelin. But Alcide wants to punish her pack style, which, fine with us. Fine. 100% okay. Bill and Suki leave Alcides and head back to Bonton. Along the way, Suki wonders aloud why Claude would be behind this weird skank drinking attack. Does he want to hurt Eric in some way? There are plenty of other ways he could have done that that would have been less convoluted than whatever the fuck is happening right now. Way less. Bill asks if there's any reason why Claude would want to cause trouble for Suki but still stay in her good graces. Why, yes! Yes, there is! Claude clearly knows about the Clouville door, but she doesn't say that out loud. Instead, they talk about Niall and Claude still being in fairy and how Claude was probably the one to put the curse on Dermot and the other fair getting restless and King Felipe and his goons and Queen Freyda is also making Eric restless. <sighs> the Eric and Freyda chat goes even further and Bill suggests that Eric is letting Freyda hang around so he can get more out of her when they eventually get together. Whew. 
Burn! <laughs> another, another bad one for Suki. The next year is Suki's birthday at hand. She has plans. But before she can leave her house, Detective Ambroselli shows up. She and another officer are there to go through the night at Eric's once more and to throw in weird questions about T-Rex to trip her up. Do you remember T-Rex, the wrestler? For whatever Not reason. The dinosaur. I wish that she had come asking random questions about dinosaurs to trip Suki oh. up. I agree. What's your favorite dinosaur? Nothing. What's your fourth favorite oh. dinosaur? I always ask people what your third favorite dinosaur because that's a great <laughs> ice-breaking question. <laughs> Nothing comes of this. Clearly. No, no dinosaur conversation. Damn it would it. be much more interesting. So the detective and the officer leave. Suki then stops by Tara's to get her dinner dishes and to yearn for babies in a very tiresome way. That's my comment. <laughs> she and Tara talk about hooligans for a minute because JB, dumb as he is, you can tell something's weird about it. Nothing comes of this really either, so Suki leaves to go about her business. Her business? Is that she's making herself a will. Oh, she stops by a new law office and gets everything settled. As she's wondering what to do with the rest of her day, Quinn calls to tell her happy birthday and that he, too, is about to have a baby. But his mm-hmm. tiger girlfriend, literally named Tigerine, will take their tiger cub into hiding, as is tiger tradition. He wants Suki to call him sometimes because it seems that his tiger girlfriend just used him to have a tiger baby. So Suki says she might call him sometime. Freaking rat. Yep. Anybody else hurting from that shoehorn? Yep. It's page Next. <laughs> Next, Suki gets a call from Sam, who's pretty upset about missing deliveries from her lots. Since Suki's responsibilities are basically like she's part owner now, she's got to come deal with it. Surprise! It's a birthday party instead! Several bar patrons and friends are there, and she gets some good gifts, including one of her grandmother's old bracelets that Jason found inside the table he got from Suki's attic. Sam gives her something as well, an envelope, but she doesn't open it right away. It's got nude pictures in. Yep, it's dick pics. But it's when he's in dog form, so it's just dog lipstick pics. <laughs> Is that worse? Or I, better? Don't, I don't know. I regret it. Reader, it's for your comments. <laughs> Do you know what I'm upset by? There was no potatoes at that party. There were no potatoes at the party. Single potato. When Suki gets home from spending her day with friends and acquaintances, she's happy to see Eric, Pam, and Bill waiting for her outside her house. Pam and Bill have gifts that she adds to the others without opening, and then she talks to Eric. It's not a good talk. It ends with Eric telling Suki that Appius Livius's last request was for him to marry Queen Freda, and he can't do anything about it. But she can! Because she loves him. She doesn't understand what she could possibly do and begs for him to tell her. But he flies away. Sad. 
Suki stews, trying to figure out how she could possibly help. Kill Freida? Could they run away together? And then it clicks. Eric knows she has the Cluviel door and knows what it takes to make it work. Love. But how on earth does he know about it? Eyes everywhere. Potato eyes. Potato eyes. Suki spends the rest of the night sitting in the living room thinking about using the Cluvial door for Eric. But shouldn't he be able to solve this problem on his own if he wanted to? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The next day, Suki looks through the newspaper and sees bad news about the fairies and their hunting habits. And then Claude comes home from fairy without Niall. He acts very strangely, or does Suki just think that because she knows he knows about the Cluvial door? Nope, he's just being weird. He tells Suki that he thinks she's disgusted by him because she won't sleep with him. But, uh, hello, he's gay and her cousin. But fairies don't think that way. She remembers that she left the Cluvial door sitting out on her coffee table last night while she was brooding over Eric. So she nonchalantly grabs it just in time. Dermot comes downstairs, Suki realizing that he came in overnight while she was asleep, and she tries to alert him that Claude is back and she's worried about it. Dermot picks up on Suki's vibes and talks innocently to Claude about being in fairy and finding out who cursed him. Claude treats Dermot like he's an idiot and says he's been purposefully ignorant about what he and the other fairies have been up to at hooligans. But then Suki tells him to stop being an asshole Dermot punches him in the face, and they get into a huge fight. <laughs> the fairies from Hooligans burst through the door, and then join the fray. Suki yells at them to help Dermot, and they do, and manage to get Claude subdued and pinned to the floor. Belanos and Gift tell Suki and Dermot that Claude has been trying to get them all to overthrow Niall. Suki then asks about the truth behind why Claude and Dermot came to stay with her. Dermot explains that they came because of her fairy blood, but then Claude realised that she had an item of fairy influence, and he was trying to find it, and that he destroyed her furniture at the antique store when he couldn't find it in the house. Suki tells them all that the item belonged to Mr. Catalides, and he came by to pick it up just a couple of days ago, so she doesn't even have it anymore. Luckily, they all believe her. I was Suki's got a poker face. And she probably reminded you of why she has that poker face. When you can hear people's thoughts, you learn to control your face. <laughs> also, she's good at dancing and not good at singing. <laughs> but she doesn't do Christian-like behavior. <laughs> and she really wants a baby. <laughs> Babies. Suki then asks about Claude's plot with Janelin and Kim with a Y and Eric and him giving his blood to Kim with a Y. The idea behind this was to either get Suki so upset that she killed Eric or so sad that they broke up or cause Eric to kill Kim with a Y and get arrested. Whatever the outcome, Suki would be so distraught that Niall would come to her aid. And magically, he appears. 
Niall whisks Suki away to her bedroom and tells her he knows she's got the Cluvial door, but he won't take it from her even though he desperately wants to. Then he tells her that he was the one who told Eric about it because he wanted her to see what Eric would do to her if he knew she wielded so much power. Hmm. Niall takes Suki back to the others after that, and then he declares that he's going to take them all back to fairy, every single one, even the rest of the fairies around the rest of the country. And he does. Luckily, Suki gets to hug her great-grandfather and great-uncle one last time before they all disappear. Suki is left feeling odd and alone. Later, though, still pretty early in the day, Suki's feeling bummed, obviously, so she decides to open her birthday presents to make herself feel better. Pam gave her some perfume, Bill gave her a cameo pendant of her grandmother, and Sam gave her one-third ownership of Melotts. Whoa! That's huge. That's a really good birthday present. (laughs) She decides to stop by Sam's and thank him in person for the bar. When she gets there, though... Sam is also pretty bummed. Clearly, he knows about Janelin's plot to overthrow Alcide and her involvement with Claude's plans, but he asks Suki to explain everything to him. So, she does. Later, after a nap and movies and TV and anything to get her mind off everything, Suki gets a phone call from Alcide. The pack has found Janelin, and Suki's and Sam's and Eric's presence has been requested at their pack meeting to determine what to do with Janelin and the rogue wolves. Sam comes by to pick Suki up, and they make the drive to Alcide's old hidden shed, where the pack has assembled. It's a shed, not an attic. Right. Clearly different. In a potato field. They go over what happened with Janelin's takeover plot and how the rogues helped her and her involvement with Claude's Eric plan and her Warren kidnapping and her Suki kidnapping attempt. Oh, it's so convoluted. Janelin has written a letter to the police describing her murder of Kim with a Y and then Alcide makes her call and confess over the phone as well. So now Eric's name is clear. They decide to leave the rogue wolves as rogues and let them go with no real punishment. Then naked Mustafa gets to fight Janelin with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> it's the pay-per-view you didn't know you wanted. It really is. The sword fight doesn't last too long. Janelin is a great fighter, and Mustafa's okay too, but Suki realizes partway through that Janelin has been positioning herself to sneak attack and kill Alcide, which she tries to do just as Suki shouts that she's about to do it. Alcide steps out of the way just in time, but unfortunately, Janelin's sword swipe continues its progression right into Sam. No! Mustafa quickly beheads Janelin while Suki screams and runs to Sam's side. As she's about to ask Eric to use his blood to heal him, Sam's heart stops beating and he dies. Oh, it's Sam. <laughs> Suki continues screaming, and then 
She knows exactly what to do. She pulls the cluvial door out of her pocket, puts it on Sam's chest, and wishes him back to life. The cluvial door goes and opens and magic pours out of it and into Sam. Suki watches as his wound knits back together and he revives. She helps him up and back to his truck, since he obviously is confused, you know, because he was just dead a second ago. But Suki doesn't give a shit about anything else that's going on around them and just wants to get home. As they drive back to Suki's house, Sam asks what happened to Eric. Suki explains a little about the Cluville door, but not too much about it just yet, except that it held a wish that could only be used once, and she used it on Sam instead of Eric, and now Eric's probably going to be with Queen of Oklahoma. When they get home, Suki convinces Sam to stay the night, and she tucks him safely into bed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to take a break because I've got a lot of things to say about this one. Just take a break. Yeah. We need to get our thoughts in order. Yeah. And also have a potato. I really need a potato right now. I know. I know. Me too. Everyone go microwave a baked potato real quick. Mm. Mmm. Have you ever read a book and thought, wow, I would love to see this on the screen? Well, the Adapting Podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Emily Malik, host of the Adapting Podcast. And with a guest every episode, we take a look at books that have never been adapted, why that's so, and how we would go about translating it to a different medium. We talk about any novel from the serious to the downright silly, as long as it hasn't had an adaptation. So come and take a listen to the Adopt Me podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I've got things. I've got things to say about this book, and most of them are ridiculous. But as much as, as, much as we're tired of reading about what is going on with Sookie's life and all of these motherfucking convoluted plans... Uh-huh. The end of this book was very good. Oh, completely agree. It was the standout moment. However, mm-hmm. I'm just going to skip on over to my surprise, or one of them. <laughs> I swear, from reading this series the first time, that Sam died in the beginning of the last book. And that... <laughs> And that she used the Cluvial door in the beginning of the last book to bring him back to life. I swear that's how I remember it happening. But nah, I was wrong. No. He well, died in this one. While we're skipping ahead a little bit, I'll give you my surprise. I okay. swear mm-hmm. she was made partner in Merlot's books ago. Like, I swear that happened. I swear she gave him the money before the last book that she was made deputy manager of Merlot's and in the end she was made a partner of Merlot's books ago. Why do I remember this? But I haven't actually read this book before. I don't know. I don't know. I just... There's something else that I still swear I remember happening. And I thought it was in this book. 
but it's not. And if it doesn't happen in the next book, I am going to swear that I was abducted by aliens and someone has given me false memories. I'm at that stage already because I could not have known this happened. I... uh... Did you read the short story where it's halfway mentioned, like in a throwaway line? Because I thought you, you, I thought you stopped reading those when you got to the point where you hadn't read the books. But did you read I, that short story? I don't know, and that's what my only thing. I never, oh, I, I, I own the short story collection now. Yeah, but I've yeah. bought that this year whilst we've been doing this, the the book club read through. Yeah. yeah. There is That's the only thing I can think be- of. Well, but the the short stories I've always read, where they've been part of other anthologies, so there's yeah. always the potential that I've read a short story with a throwaway line in. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly, the fact that I knew she was going to have a birthday party and the envelope from Sam was going to be the partnership, it feels too specific. That's very specific. Uh huh. And now it's just, it's reweeding me out. So I'm like, how, how, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, eh. But yeah, yeah um, getting back to your <clears throat> first point that you said about the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Can we not have just ended it right here? Can this just be it's, the end? We don't need another it's book. It's such a good ending. It's we don't need another book. Ending. No, we don't. Because there was just enough closure with Eric being there with like witnessing Suki bringing Sam back to life for him to go, well, shit. And then he just flies away, which we see happen. And then Sam takes Suki home. I mean, and then Suki takes Sam home and tucks him into bed. Perfect yeah. ending. Just enough where you can decide, well, now Suki has ended up with Sam because she clearly mm-hmm. loves him. I mean, and you mm-hmm. can love someone as a friend. They've decided, you know, they've been saying it back and forth for the past couple of books that they're best friends. And that's perfectly fine. But yes. you could take it to, okay, now she's taken him back to her house and tucked him into bed it's the reader's choice platonic or romantic let the reader decide yep yeah that would have been a great ending yeah the fairies are all gone the That's fairies are up. gone Tara's no had her babies within the, uh, there's no traitor within the, within the pack Mm-mm. that's been put to bed yep there's no threat from Philippe oh, everything's nicely wrapped up I yeah. can't think of anything that's standing out and going, this is this needs to be sorted. Like Jason settled down with Michelle, who we love. Yeah, they're engaged, so you know they're gonna get married soon, and that's fine. And the same with Kennedy and Danny, which didn't even mention sorry everyone, mm. left it out of the summary that Danny now works for Bill and he's his daytime guy. And that's him stepping out on Kennedy, and he didn't want to tell her. But now, but Kennedy also fine. didn't want to ask, right? And now everything's fine. They're all fine. Yeah, everything's wrapped up nicely. So we've got another one. So there's one more. 
Yeah. And there is one there. I mean, spoiler alert. I started reading the last book already because, you know, I got to summarize it. And there's one storyline that's just dangling out there in the background that has been forgotten about for a thousand books. There's one more back there in the back. So anyway. God, I hope it's got nothing to do with Hunter. That is something that I appreciated about this book, actually, because there is one point where it's one of those times that Suki's feeling real sorry for herself, and she's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm so sad. I know. I'll call Hunter. I'll call a five-year-old and have a little chit-chat. And then she's like, nah, never mind. I'm not going to invite Hunter over so he can read all of this garbage that's going on inside my head. Nah. <laughs> Wise decision, Suki. Do you know what would have been an even decision. wiser decision? Just not even having the character <laughs> at all? not even have written that little shit at all. Be- honestly, if you're not going to do anything with it, don't have well, it. Well, you know, Suki is really yearning for a baby. And so... All of a sudden. But the annoying <sighs> thing was, she was just like a book, two books ago, going, I don't need babies to feel... Like, I have a fulfilled life. Yeah. You know, she finally had reached that level of maturity. And then this one has just eradicated it all by, oh, babies. Oh, they're so cute. I want a baby, baby, baby. <sighs> you know, and you can be like that, fine. Be once. I was like that. I was adamant. I was never, ever, ever going to have a kid. Ever. You know, I, 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 my mother knew not to bug me about ever having grandkids. She turned around from going, I'm far too young to be a nana for years to listening to me when I was saying I do not want to have kids. So she never once bugged me about having grandkids. So thank you, mum. And then it was the decision between me and my husband that, yes, we do want to have a child now. And it was like, you know, and then when we told her, it was a complete surprise. Literally, it was hilarious. But, you know, you can make those decisions and you can change your mind. But what bothers me is that she's literally changed her mind in the span of like a week. Yeah. Telling Bud Dearborn that she doesn't need to have a baby. It was literally like just the last book. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have a baby to be fulfilled. And now she's like, oh. And literally everyone's having fucking babies all over the place. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of that. And, which didn't even include it in the summary again. I'm tired of all of the time. She's like, well, that's not very Christian. Or this one was particularly bad because... She was complaining a whole lot about having the power of the Cluvial door and not really knowing what to do with it and being burdened with it. And she's like, I wish that my grandmother would have used it. But then the end of that sentence was inevitably, but she was too Christian to do it. She's too Christian to use it. She's too Christian to make a wish. That's not very Christian to make a wish. Like... (laughs) It's fucking magic. You're surrounded by werewolves, witches, vampires, 
fairies, elves, and that's what you've got to say. Yeah. Really? That bothered really. me. I, I, every time she was like, I, I mean, it's not very Christian of me to do this. That doesn't make me a good Christian. And it's like... You know, maybe you're just not. And maybe you yeah. just need to deal with that. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> given what you read in the papers about what so-called Christians get up to in the name of their religion, and it is inciting hate and terrible rhetorics. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, it's it goes against the, the core tenets of the belief system. So... Can you say something like it's not very Christian to want to have a wish when I'm sure there's a lot out there in the media, like the more vocal ones, who would quite happily use that wish to cause a lot of harm to a lot yeah. of people who are just going about their lives. So, yeah. right, I'm going to move on from the religion discussion because yeah. I could, I could soapbox yeah. that. It definitely um, should not be included in this series i really don't think so i know that it's set in the south and it's set in the bible belt and i get it because that's right where i am too but she doesn't go to church enough to say oh i'm gonna no. go to church on sunday and, it, and then and if she had if that had been a like a recurring thing throughout the book not just sporadically thrown in when she's feeling bad about herself then it would have been okay yeah but yeah, I agree. Oh. I agree. Anyway, what's some other traitors? Stuff we can talk traitors about? everywhere! Yes! Oh my gosh, so many traitors! <laughs> you cannot trust anybody. No. After, <laughs> do you know? After reading, um, discussing Big Back Me last week and all the lies, lies upon yes. lies upon lies, all lies then, all the time. Exactly, and then reading this one, it was like, oh my god, it is all lies all the time. <laughs> So do we have a new theme for December? I think we We've do. We've got twisted tales and lies, lies, lies. Yes. <laughs> I think we do. This one was so full of lies. It's, I feel like I have another surprise. I think I've got two okay. more surprises, really. Okay. And one of them involves lies. Oh. Why was Claude the bad guy all of a sudden? I have no idea. That felt really out of place. Like, I know that Claude is described as, you know, like, selfish and conceited and all of this stuff, but he's he's all of a sudden trying to overthrow Niall? Like, I can get, I can get him wanting the Cluvial door because he's so selfish and conceited. That could be something that he, he finds out exists somehow and wants it. I can see yes. that, but what? Yes. What's with wanting to overthrow Niall? Where did and it's that been come for so from? Long as well, because he's the one who drugged Dermot. Yes, so it's been going on for decades. Yeah, he's he cursed Dermot apparently, but also uncursed him. Like, why did they? Why did they fairy kiss uncurse him? If he knew that that would break the curse, because I'm sure he did. After having put I, it on him, I just don't. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. It's it conf, it's it's too convoluted. Yes. 
my overall opinion of this book is it's sloppy. It is. But it had such a good ending. It had such a good ending. I actually don't even mind that Danilin was a traitor. No. I quite like that. No, and we... I'm fine with her. Yeah. I, I like the sword fight. I like Sam's yeah. death and resurrection. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that thread of storyline. Yeah. But, I mean, I've said it two books ago. I'm done with the fairies. Can we please stop it now? Now, see, even in this one, I enjoyed the fairies. I Because I, like we discovered last week, really liked Balanos. And now Claude, who's been controlling all of them, is out of the picture. So they're all going bonkers. Like, I, I enjoy that. I kind of wish that they had gotten up to more shenanigans than they did. You see, I would have quite liked it if Claude wasn't on the scene. Like, all the fairy fairies had gone, but it left, like, um, the Bellinos, who's it, an elf. It left the fae behind, and the fairies were gone. Yeah, and wasn't Gift, like, de- a demon or something like that? One of them's was... a... There were several of them. One's a demon, yeah. one's, like, part angel, one's something else, something else, yeah, something else. There, there's a variety the of them. Yeah, but, like, there weren't... Claude Niles yes. strand of fear. Yes. So I kind of wish all of the fear, those particular fairies had gone and still left some of the fear and they were up to shenanigans and weirdness was going on because they're all like discombobulated and can't regroup because you know the with the fairies gone it's caused a lot of confusion and the aftermath of the war. I would have quite liked that. Yeah. But removed all of those fairies out because Quite honestly, and it's a, this is a known fact about me, I struggle with fairy books. Me too. Me too. And I I enjoy aspects of the, the fairies and the sucky books, but I was done. When the, when the portal was closed, when Niall took everybody a fairy, he should have taken everybody yeah. and just left that kind of Bellinos gift and the hooligans. Yes. I would have been behind. fine with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's see. Can we talk about Eric? Yeah, we can. Right. I'm con- Eric confused me a lot in this book. Yes, same. Because I understand, right, Suki's reaction to Eric feeding from Kim with a Y mm-hmm. was over the top. Yes. He is not going to subsist on true blood and the odd nibble from Suki and that's it. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna live feed. He owns a bar where people come in specifically to offer their blood. Yeah. He's hosting a party for the king of what, four states? Three or four. Louisiana, yeah. Arkansas. And Nevada, I think. Nevada. That's it. I think that's it. It's just three. But he it's you know he's he's hosting probably the most powerful monarch in the United States and vampire in the United States. He's gonna lie feed, and yeah, it was probably a bit sexier than it needed to be because she was straddling him. But you know he was making it pleasurable for the recipient, mm-hmm. but was still rather transactional about it. And she's like, ah, ah. I just thought, oh, here we go. Yeah. Freaking like chapter one, here we go. This is the beginning of the end of their relationship and it's gonna be that she can't trust him and, and 
She doesn't know if he really loves her. Um, she kind of wishes that the blood bond was still there so she could get a sense of understanding from his feelings and she can't read his mind. And they're just going to start shouting at each other and it's going to blow up and I'm just going to yep. be really annoyed with it. Yep. And quite frankly, that's basically what happened. Yep. I was like, can you not be an adult? You know, Eric, you're like thousands of years old. Suki, you're late 20s by now. Yeah, um, she might be 30. Can, she might be 30 now in this book. Well, can we have an adult conversation? Can we just turn around and say, you know what? I don't think is we love each other, but as a relationship, it's not working. Yeah. And I think we need to part amicably. And it probably wouldn't be as amicable as it could be as grown adults. Right. But they could have had that conversation and probably would have been much better because every other relationship she's had has ended in an angst-ridden, annoying way. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And then Eric and his contractual obligation marriage to Oklahoma. Right. He did he really want to get this is my question to you. Do you think Eric really wanted to get out of his marriage to Oklahoma? Mm. Because for me, if he wanted to break that contract, he would have. Yeah. He would have found a way. Yeah. Um I think that after Suki broke the blood bond he was done. I I really think that that's where his love for her really lived. And he still, he can still love her, but it's not, it's not as intense as it was without the bond. And so now I think, you know, he's like trying to test her or whatever, whatever the Niall telling him, whatever that was like, I I think that he's I think that he's done. I think that he's done with her and I think that's perfectly reasonable because we know that he's a thousand years old and he enjoys having power and now he has the opportunity to be king consort. Yeah. I think a lot of trust was lost as well when she went ahead and broke the bond without consulting him. Yeah. And they they're constantly testing each other and not believing each other. And if you can't have trust in a relationship where you've got no foundation. Yeah. So I think and, Yeah, I think you're right. Regardless of one being a vampire and the other one being human, you know, they seem to lose a lot of respect for each other as well. Yeah. And I want I want your time on my schedule. Yeah. I really I really think that Eric is better off without Suki. God, yes. And you know, it's 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 possible that if she had honestly wasted the wish on getting rid of Freda or getting rid of that contract or whatever it would have been. I think I mean he would have stuck around for a little bit, but it's this is not a forever relationship that they have. You know when you go, when, you know when you, 
you know when your employer pays for you to do like a training course and then or or like they'll pay for you to go to college or university but then yeah. they'll say right once you've got the qualification you need to work for us for x amount of time otherwise you have yes. to pay it back it's yeah, that that's what it is so he that's he, he would have stuck around for his obligatory um work period and then it's like yeah. the day after he's like yeah bye yeah i'm done now He's all about contractual <laughs> obligations, and that's another one that he would have been like, "Okay, well, we gotta stink it out." I gotta... He knows the sickness procedures. He knows yeah. the promotional procedures. He knows how he, you know, the 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 shift flexibility procedures. He knows it all. He does. And he has a spreadsheet. Yeah, I bet he does have a spreadsheet too. <sighs> okay, I have a question for you. Oh. And it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago. Okay. Claude. Back to Claude for a minute. And me thinking that it would have made more sense for him to want the colluvial door and not want to overthrow Niall because that didn't make any sense at all. What do you think Claude would have wished for if he had the colluvial door? He would have wished for the... Do you think... To would, be the king of the fairies? Do you think he would have... Just the king of the fairies? I feel like he would want the doorway open to go back and forth whenever he pleases. And to bring all of his fairies over and they all have a big stripper party together. And there's feather pillows and pajamas. Yes. It would have been the mantle and the power of ruling fairy. Because Niall is very powerful and very strong. Yes. So it would be the mantle of being the king of fairy and being able to open the door so you can have the fairy sleepover with the feather pillow fights. Yes. Because if you don't have the power to control the pole yourself and control the fairy sleepovers, then... You don't have power at all. You, ha- you just don't being called king means nothing. Yeah, it's like it's like in Aladdin when Jafar asked for to to be um, he wanted to be ultimate cosmic power, mm-hmm. and he asked to be a genie with, yeah. with a little. He didn't bargain on the itty little bitty living space, and you yeah. know the servitude. So right. if Claude just asked, wished to be king. Well, you can be king, but Niall's still there, and Niall's going to stab you in the heart. Yeah. So you know, it's the whole. It's a monkey's paw. making a wish. It's, it's the a monkey's, monkey's paw. paw. It, it's the wishmaster again. It's the wishmaster. <laughs> it's the wishmaster. It, it really is. I, mean, I love a wishmaster scenario. Me too. Um. Hey, can I ask you something else? Yes. This is really detailed. It's really, it's a really detailed, in-depth question. Okay. (laughs) T-Rex? Why? Why? What? Why? What? Was she just really into wrestling at that time? I I don't don't know. know. I'm so confused. Why? And it hurts. Like. (laughs) Why? This book was like mentally painful because of so many levels, and one of them being a wrestler called T Rex, Thaddeus Rexford or whatever. Like that's T Rex. No, just no, no, just... no. 
Do you see that bucket over there? She tells it in there. Bucket. Bucket, bucket. Put it in it. Put it in the fucking bucket. Now. And then, and then when pointless, the detective. Pointless character. Then when the detective comes to Snooki's house to go through everything over again, then she starts throwing in T-Rex questions like, oh, did you show up late? to Eric's because you wanted to impress T-Rex. And she's like, I didn't even know him. I didn't even know he was going to be there. So that doesn't make any sense at all. And if I wanted to impress him, I would have shown up early to talk to him. But again, I don't... I was like... I don't what? know. Maybe, maybe Charlene Harris lost a bet and had to include a wrestler called T-Rex. Or... Not oh. even a wrestler. Maybe she just had to... She lost a bet, and she had to include a T-Rex in her story. Yes. And she's like, how am I going to write a fucking T-Rex into this book? And then she's like, oh, yeah, he's a professional wrestler. Yes. I, can, we've get, all, I can get with that. We've all done those phone call games where you've yep. got to try and get the most weirdest words yep, I can into get with the that. conversation. We've that's, all done it. That's fact now. 100%. It's happened. It's canon. Canon. Dinosaur cannon. Dinosaur cannon. Which isn't an actual cannon you can fire dinosaurs from, which is slightly upsetting, actually. I think I would like that. Yeah. I want a dinosaur cannon. Would it be like a t-shirt cannon? So you could mount and... Boom, 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 boom. Yes. But... Would you want, it's... like, an actual cannon with full-sized living dinosaurs? That would be a very large cannon, and I don't think that the physics are there to support a cannon. N- neither are the large. real dinosaurs, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, some of them are, you know, littler than you imagine, but. A compisaurus, that'd be fun. I personally would prefer it to be a t shirt size cannon, but that is shaped like a dinosaur. And when you pull its tail, its mouth opens, and then another dinosaur comes out. Yes. A little bit like an alien queen. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Probably not as, like, drippy, though. No, not with acid blood. No. We'll miss that. No. We don't need xenomorphs acid blood. No. Although that could be good. That, that's a different story. That's a different story altogether. That's one of those short stories that we need to write in our fictional hangover <laughs> in our compilation. Yes. yes. <laughs> we'll make a note of that one. <laughs> yeah, write that one down. <laughs> Who... This is going to be a difficult question. Who is your favorite character in this one? <laughs> Not Suki, I'll tell you that much. No. Um... <laughs> it's normally... Probably... It's normally Eric. But he was being an asswipe in this one. Yeah, he was. He's been hanging around with Sookie Stackhouse and she's bad people. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to just... It feels like a cop-out. But I'm going to have to say Sam. He was the only person who did not honour the life out of me that I can think of. You know... Well, to be fair, there were probably a couple of others. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I really like Sam. I do. I, I, I like Sam a lot. I also kind of really liked Dermot in this one. Yeah, Dermot was sweet, actually. He was... Yeah. He's guileless, you know? Yeah. For um, a fairy, that's a bit odd as well. 
I also really liked Mr. Cataliades. Oh, he just turned off like two minutes as well. He just he? popped up, boiled some potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> snapped the guy's neck and was like, okay, bye. My favourite character, who played a pivotal role in the story, were the potatoes. Yes, the potatoes. I'm changing my answer. The potatoes. That's my answer. The potatoes, potatoes. are the MVP. Potatoes the MVP. I have to... Producing boiled corpses. Tasty. Slightly, slightly boiled. Slightly boiled. I have to be honest about something here for just one second. Oh no. Because everything else and has been lies upon lies upon lies. Right, all, all lies all, all lies. the time. It's all lies all the time. Are you the traitor? Are you another traitor? I am. In that I am going to say right now with little regret that I actually kind of liked Bill in this book. Who are you? I know. Is this one of these is this one of these statements you make so I know you've been kidnapped? Yes. No, I I I kind of liked that he was there and he was truthful with Suki and he was yeah. straight with her about look at Eric's probably about to get out of here. I liked, I mean, as convoluted and stupid and weird as it was, the switcheroo plan. And he pulls <laughs> out a weird fisherman hat and wears it for whatever reason. <laughs> and I liked when they come to see Suki for her birthday. Which is one of, it's one of my favorite lines, which um, I just, I'm, I'm just going to skip down a little bit and read this line out. Okay. We came to wish you a happy day, Eric said. And I suppose, as usual, Bill will want to express his undying love that surpasses my love, as he'll tell you. And Pam will want to say something sarcastic and nearly painful while reminding you that she loves you too. <laughs> so, and then after that, Suki's like, is that it? Is that it? Is that everything? And Bill's like, well, I just want to say that he's right. But <laughs> there's like, it's just this weird, like, jokey sort of, I am clearly head over heels in love with you. But also, you know, I tried to R word you several books ago, and you should never give me the time of day again. But I still love you. And it's like a joke. I, I don't hate that. No, I don't hate that either, but he did, you know, there was a conversation where they were talking about what he would want, and he's like, you naked in my coffin Skip again, that. and it's like... Skip that part. <sighs> there's, there's moments. And then there was the line in the last book about her having the Miss Tits competition, or whatever the fuck that was, so, I mean, I didn't like that either. No. He is not a redeemable character for me, so no. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, but... He's just... It's like he's just comic relief now, really. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm fine with that as well. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, but I... You, I mean, you think back to the beginning of the series and you think, Bill is going to be a major player. And he's just hovering, yeah, lurking like a creep in the background, yeah, 
for the vast majority, which is fine. Um, but he is just such a minor bit player now. Yeah, and it's like kind of weird. Everyone just knows he's always back there pining over Suki. I just I feel like this the way he was written in this book, which is kind of different to every other book featuring Bill, which is every book. Um, I I felt like she was trying to force everyone to like Bill again because we know that the relationship with Eric is dying. And so it's like, oh, hey, but don't forget there's Bill back here the whole time. So I almost feel like it was like she was trying to make him really likable again. Yeah. So then everyone would be like, oh, well, Eric's over, but there's Bill. So I don't know. But I did enjoy him as a character this time. Yeah. Okay. I can see where you're coming from. Which is now your surprise. (laughs) Which is now my surprise. (laughs) But we've clearly already agreed. First place, the potatoes. Right. Second place, Sam. Third place, Dermot. Yes. Fourth place, Bill. Mm, Fourth place, Mr. Catalides. Mr. Catalides, fourth place. Fifth place, Bill. Yeah. That is the order. I mean, maybe even throw Alcide in there a little bit. Because Alcide was back to being a normal guy in this one, too. Yeah. Okay. Bill's not, he's not, you know, top ten or anything here. But I did, <laughs> but I did, I did enjoy him more as a character in this one than I have. I, I'm not going to say the word enjoy. I think I feel like that's a strong word. I'm going to say tolerate. You tolerated him, okay. I tolerated Bill a lot more. I didn't automatically go, oh God, Bill. Yeah, yeah. All right, on that bombshell, I think it's time for Would You Rather. <laughs> Would you rather? <laughs> We asked on social media, would you rather marry for power or deceive for power? And oh, there was something something beautiful happened, which, you know, I think aesthetically you'd appreciate. Sure. Facebook and Instagram had exactly the same percentages. Yeah, that's nice. And TikTok was so close. Very close. Very close. Who the fuck knows what's going on with Twitter, though? But that's just no, in well, general. It's just Twitter. Facebook and Instagram both chose Deceive for Power for 57%. TikTok Deceive for Power for 56%. So close to being perfect. And Twitter 100% being deceitful. Which surprises no one. No, that is... That is Twitter's, like, life philosophy. Raison d'etre, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. We've got some good comments, so I'm going to crack through them. Vincent on Facebook said, My husband would preferably be old, wealthy, powerful, and with a weak heart, so I don't have to put up with him for too long. Plus, I deserve to be a lady of leisure. (laughs) Vincent, you are a queen, and you always will be a queen. Bree on Facebook says, I'm going to take the marriage. My face is too loud for deception to work. And I don't like lying. 
With the marrying, I can be picky until the right person with the right position and disposition comes along for me to woo. Then I use their assets as a foundation to build my own off of, and we're just high-powered roomies with occasional benefits for the rest of our lives. This is well thought out. She's She's been thinking about this. Yes, you can tell that Brie is an author. A talented you one. You can't. Colin on Facebook said, Marrying for power would likely be easier if less lies to keep straight, plus there's less chance of it all falling down around you as you have the backup of your loving spouse. On top of that, there's the blackmail material you can gather on your wife. After all, lady in the streets, freak in the sheets. <laughs> Dude. Dude. Uh, Annie on Facebook says, deceive for power. I'm pretty much an open book in real life, but in my fictional fantasies, I think I'd make a good spy. I have been trained by ladies of quality. Quality. Annie is most definitely a Geraldine's girl. Definitely, 100%. Um, Oh, Shelf Addiction podcast on Instagram said, absolutely deceive over marriage. Nice. Uh, let's see. L20 Kev on Instagram says, Deceiving sounds like you'd have a lot more energy by the time you get to using the power. Marrying for it sounds too tiring. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Carissa the Bookworm on Instagram said, Deceive them. Marrying involves a whole person you're now responsible for. LOL. <laughs> Kelly DeVos, author friend of the show on Instagram, says, I want the power, lol. <laughs> Cats Reads More on Instagram said, Deceive, because then maybe you aren't stuck with someone. Lol. Everybody's loling this one. Loling, lol, lol, lol. Oh. We had some. You got some good library got, ones. We got a couple of good library ones this time. Uh, deception. At least I probably don't have to tolerate somebody I may not like. I just have to count on myself to keep up the lie. Uh, someone else said, "Deceive." It would be more fun. And finally, just call me Machiavelli. <laughs> <sighs> I gotta really. I bet they're glad that these are anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got got a deceitful bunch there at the library. <laughs> well, that's going on your. Uh, that's going on your review. your year end review. <laughs> so, Machiavelli, <laughs> role model. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm deceiving. Oh, I'm of deceiving. course. I'm not. I am not marrying for power nope. because. That that means that in theory my power is divided and right. I want it. Mm-mm. No. Unless I can somehow get all of the power for myself. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Plus it would just be so much more fun to be deceitful. Yes. Well the images we used this week and for the Would You Rather were <laughs> Game of Thrones because Arms. It, it had to be Littlefinger. Definitely. And I'm like, oh my god, he he just did like absolutely everything. Oh. And looking at the pictures, there were so many ways just side eyeing with this little smirk, oh. and you're like, yeah, I yeah, love dude. It. When you sent that over, 
like, hey, look at this. This is what I'm going to do. I died laughing because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. I didn't know what you were going to choose. This fucking little finger. So good. So good. I think about these for a long time. I know. I love it. I really, really love it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Next question? Yes. Would you rather be a part of Janelin's convoluted plan or Claude's convoluted plan? Oh, God. I wish there was an option C. Neither could be too convoluted. <laughs> nope. You gotta pick one. I still don't understand Claude. Like it's it's nah. just question mark, question mark. I'm gonna go with Janelin just simply because it ended up with swords. You know. Mm, yeah, that's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, I think I might. Oh, I think I might go with Claude's, but I'm gonna be Bellinos. And okay. just like fuck shit up in the background and just show up and be like, what are you thinking? Yes. It's a stupid plan, you idiot. Like we're gonna overthrow our prince. Shut up, and then they shove a bra in his mouth. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that's 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 my part in Claude's plan. I like it. I like it. <laughs> also strippers? There's strippers involved. And then we can have the, the fairy sleepover. The fairy party. sleepover with the feathery pillow fights. And the jacket potato for Yes, energy and levels. also potatoes are involved. Yes. <laughs> Next question. Because <Jesus. laughs> I'm literally thinking, oh, I'm doing potatoes for dinner tomorrow. I'm very excited by that. <laughs> Anywho. Would you rather make a wish to save your best friend or a wish to help your significant other? I'm saving my best friend. 100%. Because they're dead otherwise. And with the other one, I'm just helping. I'm just helping my significant other. I can help my significant other in a thousand ways. Yes. But... Look you at can only bring one person back. To yeah, life. if you were if you were dead, if you got sorted by a naked Mustafa, even though that's not it was Janelin who did it, but I'm I'm just involving Mustafa being naked because he was naked for whatever reason. Um, I would save you. I would save you. Thank you. I'm well, going to do exactly the same because the significant other in this storyline is just being lazy AF. I am going to save your life from you know death (laughs) that was a really good sentence (laughs) i'm gonna save your life from death that's my favorite final thought quote just gonna (laughs) (laughs) okay sorry go on go on with your answer (laughs) that that is my answer that is purely my answer (laughs) (laughs) oh damn I'm gonna save your life from death 
Claire. It's poetry. It is poetry. You cannot deny that. That's what I'm going to tell you every time we end a conversation from now on. I'm going to put in your Christmas card. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to save your life from death, Claire. <laughs> okay. Secret question time. Ooh. I know. It's time. All right. Would you rather be forced to listen to Sookie tell Tara and Hallie and Quinn how lucky they are for having babies or be forced to listen to Sookie as she exclaims how much of a Christian her grandmother was and how she, Sookie, is doing things now that aren't very Christian at all. Oh, oh. <laughs> Stab my ears with a rusty potato. <laughs> rusty potato. <laughs> you know what? Don't save me from death if this is what I've got to listen to. Jesus crackers. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to go with the babies. Uh. But the only reason I'm doing that is because I can feel like I can tell somebody to shut up about babies easier than I can tell somebody to shut up about the religion. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Ugh. Ugh. Because, to I be hate... fair, my shut up with Christianity is, all oh, right, okay, so you... I saw... <gasps> can I tell you this joke I saw today? It's it's relevant. Yes. What What do you call a book club where they only read one book? And what you call a book club when they're stuck on one book? Church. <laughs> oh. <sighs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, yeah. It feels it feels more res- more respectful to tell somebody we well, should about babies right now. I I don't. I'm not interested. Yeah. Then we well, should have talked about you make believe. Yeah. people in yeah. a book that wasn't written at the time is not contemporary and uh surprise jesus was black not white <laughs> yeah and um, jewish yeah he's definitely not a handsome sparkly eyed white man ripped yeah always has a six pack he does sorry friends i think See i'm going to agree with you and go with babies, even though I ugh, ugh. But you're right; it's down. It's down to the respect, because even though we both are not acting very Christian at all, you don't trash somebody's religion. Even like you don't you don't say that we we can talk about it between ourselves and you know share our thoughts and feelings about it but don't come at somebody for it so like I don't want to listen to it so I'm just gonna skip that altogether and I'm I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna tell I'm gonna listen to Suki talk about babies and just roll my eyes over in the corner and think about firing babies out of the dinosaur cannon. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
and their poopy nappies. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yuck. Do you have a question? I do, and I changed it during um, the summary. <laughs> Would you rather have a potato or the clusial door? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose the Cluvial door so I can save your life from death. (laughs) (laughs) I will make you a potato as thanks. You're as full of bullshit as a cow is full of milk. <laughs> I had to talk to myself down a little bit after that internal explosion of rage! Is that us right now? That is us right now. <laughs> I couldn't believe how lucky I was to have such good friends. Oh, that's an actual Who good one. Who will use one. a cluvial door to save me? Yes. We shall celebrate with potatoes. Yes. <sighs> When Sucky goes home and starts boiling potatoes, she's interrupted by the antique stealer guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is not a quote from the book, it's from the summary. I'm standing by it. <laughs> well, it's fine because I have a quote from the summary too. I save your life from death. Okay, other ones. <laughs> so I read that one earlier about Eric being sassy. But I also have a couple more. I relaxed and smiled, amused at my own silliness. That's so appropriate. I know. <laughs> we are so amused by our own silliness. <laughs> it's still yeah. delightful. So okay, here's my next one. Suki. Listen, just shut up for a minute. Yeah, I like that one. Shut up for a minute. I think it needs to be said more often. I know, just shut up. Listen, just shut up for a minute. But baby! <laughs> Second, shut listen, up. Just shut up. Shut up for a minute. But I'm not being very Christian. Shut up. But fairies are trying to kill me. Shut up. But I don't know what to do with my relationship with Harry. Just shut up. Just shut up. Shut up, Brennan. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, and my last one. It was touching. It was awkward. And I was totally confused. (laughs) Again, appropriate. Just just sums up this summary right here. (laughs) What's going on right now? This. 
Alright. If you liked this, try this. What have you got? <laughs> a book that I found as I was just hunting around on the internet. Yeah? Just looking to pad out my TBR. Because mm. obviously, mm. having 500 books there is not enough for me. No. No. And it's called... And I will admit, I'm so surprised I haven't come across this before. But I think it's an indie read. So mm-hmm. it's called The Lost Girls, A Vampire Revenge Story by Sonia Hartle. Mm. And I'm like, yes, this title intrigues me. Tell yeah. me more. Yeah. So I will, dear listener, I will. Yeah. Holly Little has been stuck with crimped hair since 1987. And if that line does not sell you this Done. book, you have no soul. Done. When she agreed to let her boyfriend Elton turn her into a vampire. But when he ditches her at a gas station a few decades into their eternity together, she realises that being young forever actually means working graveyard shifts at Taco Bell, sleeping in seedy motels and being supernaturally compelled to follow your ex from town to town, at least until Holly meets Elton's other exes. It seems that Holly isn't the only girl Elton seduced into this wretched existence. He turned Ida in 1921, then Rose in 1954, and he abandoned them both before Holly was even born. Now Rose and Ida want to kill him before he can trick another girl into eternal adolescence, and they'll need Holly's help to do it. And once Holly starts falling for Elton's vulnerable new conquest, Parker, she'll do anything to save her. To kill Elton for good, Holly and her friends will have to dig up their pasts rob a bank and reconcile with the people they've hurt in the search for eternal love. And to win the girl, Holly will have to convince Parker that she's more than just Elton's crazy ex, even though she is trying to kill him. Can we please It's penned as a vampire heist book. And honestly, Amanda, I want to cover this book. It Can sounds ridiculously fun. Can we please read this? Yes, I'm going to put it on our 2023 Please do. list. Please do. Please add it right now. <laughs> I'm doing if it. We, doing it. If we don't have a theme already picked out, which those are going to be coming out soon, everyone, by the way, um, for next year. If we don't have a theme that that will fit in, we're scrapping one and writing a new one. I was thinking Vampire Book Club. Could be a good vampire book club. Because it's a standalone book as well. Very, yes, yes. Which we have words to say about vampire book club coming up soon as well. Words with our mouths that are not dead. No. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm feeling quite crazy it's and touching. right now. It's awkward. It I'm really confused. is. It really is. What's your recommendation? All right. Mine just came out December 6th. It's called Lumara by Melissa Landers. Talia is shocked to discover that her boyfriend Nathaniel isn't a mortal like she, but in fact part of a very powerful mystic family that most outsiders would kill to be a part of. And with a very important magical wedding coming up, Talia is granted rare access to their community as Nathaniel's date, but she doesn't want anything to do with it. Unfortunately for her, she agrees to go for Nathaniel's sake and soon finds herself the scapegoat of a magical attack that puts dozens in a magical coma. Now, Talia has to find a way to clear her name before she's trapped forever. Ooh. 
I'm going to be honest with you here. This sounded kind of, you know, like a convoluted magical fairy plot. And I thought, you know what? That's a perfect fit for this week. It's a tenuous link. And it it sounds really fun. It does. It really does. Yeah. Cool. We've got solid recommendations this week. I'm very excited. Yes, yes. Do we have another one with our spotlight? We do. This is not out yet. It comes out next year. It's called Another Dimension of Us by Mike Albo. And it kind of feels pretty nicely tied in with yours a little bit in some ways. In 1986, Tommy... (laughs) is in love with his best friend, budding teen poet, Ronaldo. But at the height of the AIDS crisis and amidst the homophobia running rampant across America, Tommy can never share his feelings. Then, one terrible night, Ronaldo is struck by lightning. And he emerges from the storm a very different boy. In 2044... Heron High student Pris jolts awake after having a strange nightmare about a boy named Tommy and a house in the neighborhood the locals affectionately call the Murder House. When she ventures to the house to better understand her vivid dreams, she happens upon an old self-help book that she soon realizes is a guide to transdimensional travel. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this sounds like a Beth Revis book as well. As bodies and minds merge across the astral plane, Pris, Tommy, and their friends race to save Ronaldo from a dangerous demon while <gasps> uncovering potent realities about love, sexuality, and friendship. Oh my gosh, it's... hashtag tenuous link, love it. I know, and it's just so full of things that we like so i could it, we, we would be reading it and going twist <laughs> twist yeah so <laughs> that sounds wicked for thought it sounded fantastic <sighs> all right that's it for this episode <laughs> of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm claire that didn't sound sure that did i <laughs> I am, honestly, I'm Claire. (laughs) Join us next time as we discuss the case of the left-handed lady, an Enola Holmes mystery by Nancy Springer. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictional hangover new things are coming don't forget it's gonna happen soon Hooray! Hooray! until next time remember the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book and saving your life from death <laughs> <laughs> You can find
find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.